So this week, we're continuing on part two of our eldership series, and Pastor Corey's sermon on elder as shepherd, that was a very edifying uh, message, talking about how the early church was structured, and then how the American church was structured, and then how Evergreen was structured, and how, how things have been moving within our church. And uh, today, the topic is the role of an elder. What is the role of an elder? This is, this is the topic today. Next week, we'll be preaching on the character of an elder. Like, who is an elder? What are the qualifications of an elder? And this is a critical topic that we're talking about today. Not only are we talking about how our church is going to be governed and led, not only are we talking and preaching on my job, you know, and this is very particularly edifying for me as I was able to dig through the scriptures and to get, gain greater clarity in what I've been called to do here at Evergreen SGV. The clearer we are, the more effective we can be, the more, more focused we can be on in, in, in channeling our energies and our efforts towards. And in some capacity, every single Christian in here is called to leadership. Brothers, minimally, if you have a home, you are the pastors of your families. You pastor your wife, you pastor your children. And so this is what we're talking about. We're talking about leadership, and we're talking about spiritual leadership. And I believe as God is moving our church family to the government of eldership, now we need to be praying that God makes it clear who he has called to serve in that unique capacity as elders of the church. So... And as you sit here, perhaps God is stirring in your heart. Perhaps God is calling one of us to be elders, to serve in that capacity here. So these are the things that we should be praying for as a church family as we're transitioning and, and moving towards a new leadership structure at our church. So what we're going to go through is we're going to go to 1 Peter chapter 5. I believe this is a very pastoral letter and pastoral in nature. And there's some exhortations, but I believe there's a lot of comfort in here as well. So as you're turning to 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 1, the context of this letter is written, Peter, the disciple, one of the 12 disciples of Jesus Christ, writes this letter to the Christians scattered around in the Roman Empire, in particular the regions of modern-day Turkey. Okay, and at the time, King Emperor Nero was in control. Emperor Nero was an evil, sadistic man. And he, wanted, he had his ambition to rebuild Rome. So what he did is he set the whole city on fire. And in, to, in order to deflect the animosity towards Nero, he basically blamed the Christians, saying they're the cause of this. So immense persecution, immense animosity was raised up against the Christians. So this is the context as Peter writes these four verses. So let's rise. We'll be at First uh, Peter chapter 5, 1 through 4 today. This is God's word. Therefore, Peter writes, I exhort the elders among you as your fellow elder and witness of the sufferings of Christ and a partaker also of the glory that is to be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God among you. Peter charges the elders. Exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but voluntarily, according to the will of God. And not for sordid gain, but with eagerness. Verse 3, not yet as lording it over those allotted to your charge, but proving to be examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd, the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you for Peter. Thank you how you shepherded him 
to become the apostle, the elder that you, you allowed him to be. So, Father, I just thank you for your word. May we have a greater picture of you, Lord Jesus, how much you love your church, how much you love us, your sheep. So, Father, I thank you, Lord. Illuminate our minds, Holy Spirit, to understand your words. Allow us to know that you are actually speaking to us through your word. Thank you, Jesus, for loving us so much. Thank you for loving your church, your bride. In Jesus' name, amen. Please have a seat. I love how Peter ends this exhortation here. And when the chief shepherd appears, verse 4 says, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. It all starts with Jesus, the chief shepherd. Jesus Christ is the chief shepherd. He is the one that we look to. As Pastor Corey talked about it, the good and great shepherd. Jesus is always our shepherd. No matter what we're going through, no matter what the transition, that has never changed and that's never going to change. And Jesus Christ being the chief shepherd cares and loves for his church so much. The Bible says that the church was purchased with the blood of Christ. He loves the church so much that he paid with his own blood to purchase his church. That's you and me, every Christian ever to walk the earth. The church is the most precious organism in all of creation. Why? God himself died to save the church. He bought the church with his own blood. What could be more precious than that? Jesus does love the church, and he is the head of the church. Christ is the head of the church. And he gives us clarity in how he wants us to govern and lead the church. This is how much he loves the church. He doesn't leave things up to chance. He doesn't leave up, things up to, all right, sheep, just figure out how, you, how you're supposed to take care of the body. All right, sheep, just figure out how you're going to take care of my bride. I remember taking many road trips and, and, um, and, and traveling on planes and things like that, and I'd be gone for a period of time. Maybe some of you brothers could relate to what I'm saying for work. And as you left, you always had this feeling, man, you just pray, oh, God, please watch over the family. And, and, and I'm grateful because the, the church that we're a part of, even this church, I had brothers and sisters come alongside our family when I was gone to make sure everything's just fine. And there's this preciousness to our wives and our children entrusted perhaps to some degree to somebody else to take care of. Jesus doesn't just entrust his bride just to anybody. Jesus makes it very clear how to govern and lead his church. This is how much Jesus loves the church. And how he calls the church to be led, his church, his body to be governed, is through elders he provides elders to care for his flock. In essence, elders are under-shepherds of the chief shepherd. Jesus being the chief shepherd and elders are the serve under him will be count, account, accountable to him someday. As he says right here in verse 4, when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. We will be judged in how faithful we were in taking care of the bride. Going back to the top here, okay, uh, of chapter 5. Therefore, why is it therefore, Paul, Peter writes, why is it therefore, considering the intense, immense persecution in Rome, Paul, Paul, Peter is charging the elders, charging the leadership, saying, hey, look, step up, show yourself. This is an opportunity for you to serve. There's a lot of trials going on. And true, in the San Gabriel Valley, we, not, we may not be uh, martyred and killed or thrown in prison for proclaiming our faith. True that it's happening globally around the world, but in the San Gabriel Valley, 
it's getting less and less popular to claim Christ. It's getting less and less popular to say that Jesus Christ is the one and only way to the Father. I mean, the, the culture is assaulting our minds and putting in ideas in our minds constantly. Any ideas raised up against the knowledge of God, everything that we read, everything that we look at on the internet, um, for media to the music that we listen to, the universities that we send our children to, or that you're attending right now. These are ideas that, that, that fill our minds to shape us to think like the world. God has called us to ha put on the mind of Christ, not the mind of the world. And the, so this is a truth war that's going on with all of us. The authority of the Bible is being attacked constantly. And the internet with, with, with technology. I mean, there's a lot of positive edifying things on the internet such as sermons and Bible resources, even information to find out how our brothers and sisters are there, so how we, how we could pray for them. But there's also a lot of negative things that proliferate lies within us constantly. Devices from iPhones to, to uh, PCs allow for more access into our minds and our hearts. I mean, this is the world that we're living in. So in some ways, as Peter writes, therefore, I believe he's charging the leaders of this church to rise up and to serve in this way. This is the issue at hand. And there's a huge exhortation. Therefore, I exhort the elders among you. Exhort carries a uh, sense of encouragement, a strong sense of urgency, a charge that P uh, Peter is charging the elders with. And based on the situation, it's very appropriate what he's saying. So there's power, there's, there's energy coming through the words of the scripture and understanding the context of what's going on in the whole empire of Rome. I mean, he goes, from fellow elder, I am a fellow elder, I'm charging, as if he's having a pastor's conference on this letter here. And this is a great time now with trials, with opposition. This is always a great time for leaders to step up, to, for leaders to serve. We're able to do that today. Over 2,000 years ago, these elders had a chance to lead. Today, in the San Gabriel Valley in 2019, we have an opportunity to lead right now. So Peter is charging us. And I'm gonna, I want to go through the more deeply verse, these first two verses of Peter. We'll, we'll cover the middle section more next week. But today, I want to really hone in on these first two verses. Therefore, Peter writes, I exhort the elders, charge the elders, command the elders among you as your fellow elder and witness of the sufferings of Christ and a partaker also of the glory that is to be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God among you, exercising oversight. So Peter is charging the people, the leaders to step up and serve as overseer and the shepherds. And I think it would be profitable as we study these words a little bit. And as we look through the New Testament and as you're digging through Scripture and you're studying through Scripture on your own, and in particular studying on eldership, it's important to understand some of these words. And the word elder, the word a shepherd, and word overseer are really interchangeable terms. Okay, the word elder in the Greek, presbyteros, is 
in that sense, talking about the spiritual maturity of a man. It could also talk about age. And yesterday I was able to, uh, with a couple of my children, attend the Harvester's Luncheon. I mean, well, what a spread. You know, the, the fellowship was great. The food was great. The music was great. So we could be talking about age because oftentimes age and spiritual maturity are, 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 are related. But this is more in particular talking about spiritual maturity when it talks about elders. 66 times it's used in the New Testament. And in context, it's always often used in, in terms of leading in the context of the church. And, and it's always talked about all but one time in the plural, as if there's a plurality of elders leading a church. This is the one time in this one verse that I know of that talks about as your fellow elder, as Peter distinguishes himself amongst the others. All right, so the elders are always talked about in the plural. This, and he, in verse 2, he says, shepherd the flock of God among you. Shepherd. Poimano, this is the verb for, form of sh- the word shepherd, poimen. All right, what this word carries is more, talks about the function of an elder. Still the same person, but it gets more descriptive in, in the word shepherd. This talks about feeding and caring for the flock as shepherds do. And as we move forward to verse 2, exercising oversight. Exercising oversight is the verb form of overseer. Your Bible may uh, translate that word overseer to bishop, perhaps. And this highlights the function of the elder in terms of overseer, protector, leader. So as you can see, as you study your Bible, if you see the word elder, if you see the word shepherd, bishop, or, or overseer, these are all interchangeable names. They're really talking about the same person. These are talking about the elders of the church. And it says, shepherd the flock of God among you. So as Peter is speaking to all the elders, he said, hey, the, the flock that is, God has surrounded you with, you take care of that flock. So for the elders of this church, is shepherd the flock at Evergreen SGV. This is the flock that God has assembled here in the San Gabriel Valley. And this is the group that, would, that elders like myself will be held accountable on how we helped, uh, how faithful we were in serving the church. And so what is the role of an elder? We, we went over some words about what is an elder, what is a shepherd, what is an overseer. Two distinct categories that we could uh, uh, call, the, what, uh, call out what the role of an elder is. Two of them. First one is to feed the flock. All right. The second one is to lead the flock. Feed elders, feed and lead the flock of God. And there's a good picture of godly shepherding out of Ezekiel chapter 34. So I'm going to put some verses behind me. And as God tells us how He's going to shepherd His people, God reveals that Jesus Himself is going to be their shepherd. He's going to appoint Jesus to be the shepherd. Since Jesus is the chief shepherd, this is the shepherd, shepherding model we want to emulate. So first function of the elder is to feed the flock of God. Uh, Ezekiel 34, 13 and 15 says this, I will feed them on the mountains of Israel, by the streams and in all the inhabited places of the land. I will feed them in a good pasture, and their grazing ground will be on the mountain heights of Israel. There they will lie down on good grazing ground and feed in rich pasture on the mountains of Israel. I, who's I? This is God himself speaking. I will feed my flock, and I will lead them to rest, declares the Lord God. 
This is the type of shepherding God says as he indicts the false shepherds, as he indicted the, 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 the rulers of Israel, the, the kings, the, the, the religious rulers, how they, didn't, how they were not faithful in doing this. So he gives a contrast. This is what I'm going to do for my people. And as I, as I read this, I see mountains. I will feed them on the mountains of Israel. They will be the grazing grounds will be on the mountain heights of Israel. I will feed in, they will feed in rich pastures on the mountains of Israel. This whole theme of mountains are, keep showing up. And I, I, as I can't help but think of Moses as he journeyed up the mountaintop and, and, and interfaced with God and heard from God. G, Moses had this mountaintop experience. When we hear from God today, that means that you were fed the word of God. Right now, as we're preaching Peter right now and in Ezekiel, you are literally hearing from the mouth of God right now. Not, through, not because of me, but because the word is being preached. Right here it says that the sheep, that the shepherd will lead this flock to the grazing uh, pasture. The sheep grazed in the pasture, the green pastures. This is where they fed. This is where they grew. This is where they were nourished. And the, there is absolutely no substitute for the Bible. The Bible is where we graze on. This is our grazing field, brothers and sisters. This is where we feed on to become more like Jesus, the chief shepherd. Anything else will not do. We do not, we do not preach or teach human philosophy. We, don't, we do not teach or preach human wisdom, human psychology. We don't do those things. We preach Christ. We preach the Bible. So our goal is to feed you the word of God. 2 Timothy 4, 2 says, preach the word. All right, this is what I'm charged to as your, as your pastor, as an elder of the church. Preach the word, the word of God, the Bible. And like I said, there's absolutely no substitute for God's word. And as you're sitting here today, and part of this sermon is to also to perhaps help identify and maybe encourage any men in here to perhaps God is calling you to be an elder. And an elder who feeds the flock doesn't necessarily have to be, have a preaching ministry. All right? An elder is someone who's teaching and ministering the word of God. It could be in a small group. It could be at the 930 school hour. It could be in a one-on-one -on -one discipleship moment. It could be as you lead devotions with your family. Are you ministering the word of God to those who you have influence over? who God has called you over, who's charged you to take care of. In 1 Peter 2, 2, talks about spiritual growth. It happens when, like babies, you would nourish on the pure milk of the word. Right? This is the words of Peter, same book. Are we nourishing on the pure milk of God's word and to grow in our salvation, grow in our sanctification? This is the number one preeminent role of the elder is to feed the flock of God. In John 21, where Jesus commissions Peter, and, and he asks Peter, do you love me? Yes, I do. He goes, tend my lambs. Peter, do you love me? He goes, yes, I do. Shepherd my sheep. Peter, do you love me? Tend my sheep. Two out of the three times, those words, ten, could better, maybe better be translated as feed. Feed my lambs, feed my sheep. There's a huge emphasis on feeding. Look how much the Lord talks about feeding in Ezekiel 34. Feed, 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 feed. Four or five times he talks about, I will feed my flock. This is a huge, huge part of being an elder. Second part is more multifaceted. Elders lead the flock. All right, the elders feed the flock, feed, feed, 
The flock, God's word, the elders lead the flock. This is multifaceted. I've broken it down to three categories. The first one is elders direct the flock. Elders would set the vision, the mission of the church flock. Uh, the elders would set policies and procedures to protect the flock and to enhance time and resources with the flock. Second thing, the, the elders will protect the flock from predators. All right, protect the flock from predators. Ezekiel 34, 8 says this, As I live, declares the Lord, God is indicting the false shepherds, the, the bad shepherds. Surely because my flock has become a prey. All right, my flock has become a prey. Pray to thieves, pray to wolves, pray to, to lions being eaten up and devoured. My flock has even become food for all the beasts of the field for lack of a shepherd. Elders are called to protect the flock. Spiritual protection. In the New Testament, whether it's Peter, whether it's John, whether it's Paul, whether it's in the book of Acts, Luke wrote that, it's all over the place. God warns us about false shepherds, false teachers. Peter 1st 5 8, just a few verses after our text today, Peter calls Satan like a roaring lion, prowls around like a roaring lion, waiting for someone to devour. Is there someone in the weakened state right now who the enemy is assaulting you with lies? Poor, trying to rob you of your effectiveness for the kingdom. Trying to rob you of your joy of being part of God's flock. The roaring lion looks for you. In Acts 20, 28, the Bible talks about how these ravaging, grievous wolves will be risen amongst you. All right, do you hear what the Bible's saying? What Paul is warning the church in Ephesus in Acts 20, 28, he says, among you there'll be wolves uh, rising up, false teachers we definitely know there's false teaching outside these walls. But are we vigilant looking to within our church to see if there's any false teachings going on? It's a scary thought. I, uh, in, in coaching, we had a, um, a lot of my times in the NFL was, a lot of my church times happened at chapel service. Chapel service was a Bible study or service that we did the night before the game. So was, since I was on the road or we had to be at the stadium at a certain time, I wasn't able to go to church, attend church with my family during the season very much. But church became the brothers on the team, and we had uh, great times of worship. Some, a lot of times the pastor would have a message for us, and we'd get together and pray for one another. And at home, it was awesome because it was our chaplain. It was our shepherd. It was basically the pastor of our church who would give a great message, teaching the Bible, exalting Christ. We'd all be equipped and, and fired up. But on the road, what would happen is our chaplain would ask or invite a guest preachers to come in and preach. And this is, for me, I, I was, in essence, just looking and checking out the speaker in a different way than I would at home. Because on the, on, who would attend the service? There would be very mature believers, strong in the faith. There are younger believers just starting out perhaps. And then there are perhaps some seekers. And as, as I felt a responsibility to check out what was said, because if something was said that was a little off, the, the solid, the, the very mature believers, I wasn't very concerned about them as much. But with the younger ones or even the seekers, hey, did you hear what he said? Yeah, that's kind of off. This is what the Bible actually teaches. 
So, so shepherds would do these sort of things to protect them from false, uh, false teachers. Here's a, here's a, a startling example. And so in the, in the chapel, I was reading an article in the ESPN magazine. And there was a story about a, a man named Rob Bell. And, and, and the article calls him a pastor. All right, this man is anything but a pastor. He, he peddles a false gospel. He's a heretic. He's a false teacher. And Rob Bell was, uh, in 2008, asked to uh, do the chapel service for the Green Bay Packers, according to this article, a very public uh, story. And um, I guess, evidently, he and uh, Aaron Rodgers, one of the players, uh, struck up a friendship. And Aaron Rodgers grew up in Northern California to devout Christian parents, the, the article says. He grew up in the church. He grew up holding on to uh, uh, Orthodox doctrine, Christian Orthodox doctrine. And through that friendship, they become really close. And in essence, what happened was that Aaron Rodgers now denies being a Christian. And so he has a a different way of interpreting what the Bible is saying now. Rob Bell is a false teacher, a heretic, because he says that love wins. He wrote a book called Love Wins. And in that book, he claims that God loves people so much no one's going to be in hell. What? This is the type of thing that happens all the time. And this is what we have to be vigilant in the church. And, and like it's, it's, we're not as worried about so much outside. What happens inside? As you talk to your friends and they t- talk about aberrant teachings or they're listening to an aberrant teacher, what is, what's stirring in your heart? If you're an elder Something is pricked in your heart. Say, hold on, can I talk to your brother or sister? This is, this is what I know of that teaching. This is what I know of that teacher. You're protecting the flock within. This is what elders do. This is the dirty work. This is the hard work of being an elder. And th- this, is, this is what elders must be doing. Because the Bible makes it so clear that there's going to be false teaching everywhere. The third facet of leading the flock talks about nurturing the flock. Elders nurture the flock. Ezekiel 34, 16 talks about, I will seek the lost and bring back the scattered. Talks about, bind up the broken and strengthen the sick. Gather the wayward sheep. Elders are looking to gather the wayward sheep. Okay, this for a couple of examples of this. This could be a sinning sheep. All of us are battling with sin. We understand this. On this side of eternity, it's going to be a battle until we reach uh, complete glorifications someday. But the sinning sheep, it's obvious something's controlling them. Something is, is obviously a huge factor. And it's, are you someone who's reaching out to this sinning sheep and lovingly correcting them? Perhaps even lovingly disciplining them so that they could be restored to fellowship. The sinning sheep. How about this type of sheep? The wandering sheep. What is the wandering sheep? Wandering sheep are like this. Wandering sheep are those who may not be in overt sin, but things of the world are capturing their heart more than things of Christ. Are we so into sports that we, can't, we don't have time to fellowship or get into come to church on Sundays or we have to rush out of church? Are we so much into fitness that that consumes our time and our thinking we have no time to get into the word of God? 
Are we so into our work and our career and our, and our retirement plans that this consumes our thinking? Sheep, you're wandering. Come back. Come back. Those aren't overtly wrong things, but come back. Christ, the chief shepherd, is where your focus needs to be at. These aren't necessarily wrong things. So these are, you got the sinning sheep, you got wandering sheep. But also there's, the, the elder also binds up the limping sheep. All right, the limping sheep is those who are physically ill, going through injury, they're in the hospital. They're emotionally brokenhearted. You know, they're, they're going through broken relationships. The elder comes alongside and it's, it's like, how are you doing? Can I pray for you? Do you need meals? Can we set up a prayer chain? Can we pray for you? How can we take care of your family? The limping sheep. In, in coaching, injuries happen all the time. I mean, uh, football is a brutal game. Broken bones, br torn ligaments, concussions, all these things happen. So in that moment, you're not talking about X's and O's and technique and schemes. Hey, how you doing? You doing all right? Let me know if you need anything. This is, this is what an elder does. You check in on the limping sheep. There's a very pastoral caring side. And with all that said, whether it's the preaching or the feeding ministry, teaching ministry, or the leading portion of the elder, all of that is absolutely undergirded with prayer. Without prayer, None of this happens. God is the one that blesses the teaching and feeding of the flock. God is the one that blesses the leading of the flock. Prayer. Brother, are you a praying man? Are you a man of prayer? <clears throat> Nothing happens without prayer. We have a praying conference coming up, a prayer conference coming up this week to see Jesus, and a lot of our pastors are attending this, I'm attending this too, to grow in our area of prayer. It'll be held here <clears throat> at our church campus. But I have a question here. If Jesus Christ is the head of the church, now think about this now. <clears throat> if Christ Jesus is the head of the church today, right now, how does he actually rule the church? How does he actually rule his church? He's not here right now telling and speaking to us with his mouth. You know, he's not texting us information right now how to lead the church. How does Christ actually rule his church if he is the head? Since he, and he is the head. Christ mediates his rule through the Bible. And this is why the elder is armed with the Bible. The shepherds had a staff, armed with a staff to nurture, to care, to guide, to lead, to fight off the wolves, fight off the lions. King David had the, had the slingshot to fight off the bear and the lion. But the elder is armed with a book, the Bible. And so any feeding that takes place is according to the Bible. Any leading that takes place is what the Bible tells the elder and the church to do. Let me read one Bible verse for you. 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. All scripture is inspired by God. We know this. This is a very general term for all Christians to understand. And profitable for teaching. That's a feeding. For reproof. This is all leadership part. For correction. For training in righteousness. 
Why? Verse 17 tells us why. So that the man of God, this is talking about Timothy, this is the preacher, this is the elder, this is the pastor, this is the overseer, so that the man of God may be adequate, equipped, armed for every good work. The pastor is armed with the Bible. This is, this is what we utilize. This is how Christ mediates the, his rule. That's why Christ is called elders, men who know the word of God, who have a conviction for the word of God, to minister the word of God in, in the form of feeding, in the form of leading. This is how it works. This is how Christ rules his church today through his word. And here's just a note here. And, and there's, this, this sermon is multifaceted. One, one reason is perhaps I'm just encouraging those in here. Brothers, is God stirring a desire in your heart to be an elder? Well, one way you know this is this. You've already been doing it. When I was coaching football, I just, God just consumed me through the word and anyone and everyone who allowed me to speak at their church, in their prison, in their schools, in any community group, I was there preaching the, the word of God. Do you naturally just have a heart for people? Do you naturally care for people? Do you actually naturally have a, have a, have a protective heart over your people against false doctrine? This is the heart of an elder. Perhaps that might be you. You're already doing it. You don't need a job title. You don't need an official title from you've just been simply doing what God, how God has designed you. This is who you are. We'll talk about the qualifications of an elder next week, but this is what the elder does. This is what he does. Now, I, I want to encourage this uh, our church family a little bit here. In 1 Peter chapter 5, Peter, I believe, comes out very strong. He shows his fisherman side, his courageous side, his exhortation side early on. I exhort the elders among you as your fellow elder, uh, Peter says. Right? All this is going nuts, but I exhort the elders, rise up, show yourself. I, I, I see that from Peter right there. But I also see the pastoral, very nurturing side of Peter right now. In the very next part, verse 1. He calls himself a fellow elder and it calls himself and witness of the sufferings of Christ and a partaker also of the glory that is to be revealed. When it says he is a witness of the sufferings of Christ, I can't help but think from his perspective how he, just, he went back to that night in the Garden of Gethsemane where Judas betrays Jesus with a kiss. And Peter pulls out his swords and cuts off Malchus's ear. And Jesus says, stop that. Jesus gets arrested, chained, dragged like a criminal into Caiaphas's house. Peter follows along and sits there. And it's a cold night because the Bible says he was warming himself by the fire. And he's warming himself by the fire. He's surrounded by the slave girl and the other people around. And they're asking him a question. Aren't you with that man? No, I don't know him. Don't you know? I don't know. Aren't you a Galilean? You have Galilean accent. No, I don't know him. Three times. As Peter is exhorting the elders, he's actually pointing out his weakest moment. He's saying, I witnessed the sufferings of Christ, and I cowered just like you, elder, are cowering right now in the face of immense persecution. I see Peter humbling himself, saying, I failed the Lord. But he doesn't end there, and he goes, but 
I am a partaker also of the glory that is revealed. Even in my weakness, the grace of Christ is greater, and I am still as mad. As Jesus asked Peter, do you love me? He said, yes, Lord. Do you love me? Yes, Lord. Do you love me? Yes, Lord. He goes, Peter, you're still my man. You, I have plans for you. You're still going to be the apostle, the elder, to shepherd the flock. Perhaps, brothers, you may have felt like you uh, kind of let down in that area of leadership, perhaps at home, perhaps with your wife, perhaps you allowed other things. Maybe you're a wandering sheep in some areas, your career or other things have captured your hearts. Maybe tradition, you're just kind of going along with stuff here. Well, just know this. Peter, has a, there's a very pastoral side to Peter here where he's saying, look, I too struggled, but I realize how much Christ loves me. Go feed my sheep, he says. Jesus tells Peter, go lead my sheep. Peter, you stole my man. I'm going to entrust the most precious, precious organism to you. You take care of my bride while I'm gone, Peter. Perhaps, elder, you are in there sitting there right now thinking, I need to be restored like this. Well, just know this. It's never been about you. It's never been about me. It's never been about Peter. It's about Christ Jesus working in your life, growing his image in your life. We need men like this to rise up. This is the type of men that we need to rise up to lead this church in this time, in this age, when it's becoming less popular to become a Christian, to claim Christ, to claim that the Bible is the word of God. We need men like this to come alongside the elders and to lovingly lead the church, to feed the church and to lead the church. And someday when the chief shepherd appears, we will receive the unfading crown of glory. It's not for our glory. It's for the chief shepherd's glory. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this time. I thank you, God, for how good you are, how much you love us. God, I just thank you for how you have shaped Peter, Lord, even in his weakness. Your, your glory, Jesus, your glory just shines through this broken man. And I know many of us can relate to this. And God, I just pray that you will use a similar like you did Peter and your glory will radiate through our cracks. So God, I just pray for, the, for, for you to raise up the elders of this church, to lead this church, to feed this church the way you have called us to. So, Father, I thank you for this opportunity to preach your word. Thank you, God, for how much you love us. Jesus, thank you how much you love your church and you have designed and set up a way for your church, your bride, to be taken care of. In Jesus' name, amen.